With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Man, do I love some trashy reality television once in a while. I can really fall down that rabbit hole once in a while. But I've never watched The Bachelor. And I'm not saying like that's like super trashy. I mean, it takes place in a nice house. There aren't a bunch of, you know, broke down cars in the driveway or anything that kind of trashy. But, um, you know, the uh, I've just never watched The Bachelor. I've never really had any interest in watching The Bachelor. Now, Troy, you and Monica seem like, you know, a couple of folks that enjoy The Bachelor or Bachelorette once in a while. I never watch it. I do not watch it. Monica has watched on occasion. But I have never gotten into watching that show. Well, I haven't either, but I've never really tried, nor have I like been with anybody that liked it either. Uh, but I will say I've been... <laughs> Lindsay and I, on Sunday, we finished re-watching season one of Rock of Love. Oh, dear Lord. The Brett Michaels dating show yes. that actually had three seasons, but this is just the first season. And it, I remember it airing on VH1, and I'm trying to think back of when, I want to say mid-2000s, like 2006 rings a bell, but man, was it good when I was 15, 16 years old, and I got to say, as a now 33-year-old, it still packs a punch, like it is wild, and I got to say, if even if it was like super scripted or whatever, like the testimonials that they do, like the interview and stuff, you know, Brett Michaels might be a really good actor, but he seemed pretty genuine with all his comments and about his feelings for the women in the house. He felt like he, I, I could actually believe that he cared about every single one of them, and it was hard for him day in and day out, elimination after elimination of getting rid of a, of a girl once in a while. But then I was listening to Doug Gottlieb earlier today, and the only reason I ever listen to him is because he's filling in for Dan Patrick. Listen, I don't know if I'm any good at this thing, but I know I'm better than Doug Gottlieb. Um, But they were talking about The Bachelor, and then they brought up there's going to be a show called The Golden Bachelor, yeah, as in a 70-year-old bachelor 
and he's a widow looking for love again? They've already put a trailer out. That was how I was able to confirm that, yes, you heard what was being talked about. You know, I think I could get into this because mostly what The Bachelor Bachelorette is is a whole bunch of people, models or whoever, their agents get them into the show. It's a way for them to jump into show business or take a bigger jump into show business. And these people never fall in love, really. But I'm you like, would be you know, surprised, by the way. I, it, it's like a 5% success rate. It is. But let's see. I'm trying to remember the first well, Bachelorette. Yeah, it was the first Bachelor Bachelorette, right? That they're actually still together. Yeah, Ryan and whatever her name is. I have no idea. Because he's a fireman up in, uh, up in Colorado. But I'm like, you know what? You got a 70-year-old, 72-year-old guy looking for love again. It's not like all these... All these senior citizens are going to be looking for 15 minutes of fame at that age. They might legit be looking for love. Ryan Sutter, Trista Wren. The only thing I can think of is like the camera crew. They're like, oh my God, all these people are getting up at 5 a.m. for no reason. Go back to bed. All the good stuff happens at night. Night, 7 o'clock. I don't know. I think this could be fun. I think this could be fun. Plus, it's always fun. And I, I remember like get togethers with my family or friends of family growing up. And it was so much fun watching the grown ups, older grown ups, let loose, have fun, start telling stories. The older generations, you guys have the best stories. You really do. This could be a lot of fun. I might get into The Golden Bachelor. When is this thing supposed to start here? I pulled up an article. I think it's in September. It's on a Thursday. Thursdays are tough for me, but you know what? The glory of television these days, you can record anything. I'm going to record it. This might be something I follow. And you know what? You know, Mason, Bud and Mason, who Mason was on yesterday, Mason, they're really into The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And I remember when, like, Matt Hall who was um, formerly of K-State Media, when we were when he still lived here in town and we'd hang out, The Bachelor always came up, and I could never jump into the conversation because I didn't watch it. We did have wrestling in common, but not The Bachelor. <laughs> Which is a trashier show? That's an argument for another day. Wrestling. Yeah, it is. Let's be honest. A given. Yeah. Uh, by the way... Um, no show tomorrow. Usually that's our, it's Wednesday, you know what that means, but no show. Royals uh, playing at like 2.37 tomorrow against, uh, is it the A's? Yes, it is. <sighs> so in other words, that's going to be a very empty stadium yeah. tomorrow afternoon out west. The battle of the bads, as in bad at baseball. All the way around. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner and Troy Coverdale. Troy on the other side of the glass, A.J. Shaw hanging out with us as well. The fun number 537-1350, another busy show. We're going to get to Coach Kleiman here in just a moment. He had his uh, final fall camp press conference today. Really going to tackle a lot with the defense here in hour number one. Hour number two, we'll jump to uh, some special teams and to the office or the, the, off, the offense uh, at uh, at 510 plus at 525, uh, 530-ish. Oklahoma Sooners preview. This will be with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. Plus, we're going to hear from Kobe Savage. And by the way, it's Tuesday. And you know what that means. At the end of this hour, we will crown a brand new Jabroni of the Week. But let's get to Chris Kleiman here out of the gate. 
Press conference earlier today wrapped up at about 1 o'clock. And, guys, the team had themselves a really nice fall camp. We didn't have any off days, bad days, and, and you shouldn't have any off days, bad days when you have the amount of experience that, that we have. Now, the offense got after the defense some, the defense got after the offense some, but it was never probably a dominant day from one side of the ball to the other. It was periods here and there that were dominated. So it, it was 21 really good days where guys um, got after it, um, never were complacent, never kind of just got through the practice. But, uh, you know, I credit our leaders on that. Another great sign of a healthy program. For the most part, not really any drama, friendly competition, friendly backs, back and forths, friendly trash talk. One of my favorite videos of this preseason is, who was it? Was it Hayden Gillum and Kobe Savage going back and forth with each other during stretches? I think the media, it was one of the open segments of practice that the media can check out and, um, and, and just witness a part of practice. They're giving the media a little bit of trash talk, a little bit of entertainment with stretching. Stretching couldn't be more boring, but at least there's some trash talk involved. Now with this next clip, this is a uh, I saw this as a shout out to those that gave up their parking spots on the east side of the bill for the new indoor with uh, the Shamrock Indoor and having the outdoor field, just that much more space allowed us to do a lot more things, allowed a lot. We found kids ran a lot more. You know, our catapult numbers were much higher than they were uh, in previous fall camps. That's where we've probably learned the most uh, as far as utilizing all that space that we have. You know, we weren't locked into uh, each group's got 50 yards. Each each offense or defense had a full 100 yards, and that was, I think, a huge benefit for us. Every side of the football could have their own very own football field and they could be right next door to each other they had all their own space coach Kleiman said a little bit before that like the question was have you found yourselves now in a routine for for fall camp day in and day out now that you're you're now into a groove in in year five and it's like Kleiman said yeah until this year when we got all this space we don't know what to do with all of it well, what to do with all of it is you spread out and you guys can focus each on just your position groups or your size of the football without being distracted by anybody else. Uh, so once again, if, if you haven't been thanked enough, which I don't think you could be thanked enough, for those that uh, gave up their parking spots on the east side, thank you once again for making help making K-State football where it is right now at an elite level. Meanwhile, we got an injury update. A couple we've been watching on the defensive side of the football. Uso Sayamalu, nose guard, and then you have middle linebacker, Deuce Green. Here's Coach Kleiman. I think Daniel will practice towards the end of this week is the plan. Worst case scenario, it'll be next week. Uh, Uso will be a, will will work into next week before we know. He won't practice this week. But uh, once again, it's not long term with with Uso. So we're hopeful he could play Simo, uh, but uh, probably be middle of next week before we know. So, so there's some uh, very good news there. Felt like boy, when did this all start? A couple of weeks ago, maybe, um, with uh, Duffy. On the right side of the offensive line, Uso mixed in along with Daniel Green. And I mean, Duffy really hasn't been available at all for fall camp. Uso and Daniel Green, the last couple of weeks, you know, would K State be missing three starters heading into the first game? So it sounds like definitely Christian Duffy going to be out for game one. Carver Willow seems like the guy to take that spot. 
and get his first career start. Meanwhile, Daniel Green seems like he'll be good to go, should be practicing by the end of this week, and um, we'll see you next week, probably get an update on Tuesday, a week from today, about Uso Sealmalu. Uh, it, we'll hear more on this actually in just a second from Coach Kleiman, but at a, uh, when it comes to depth, like – and experience, Daniel Green is, is extremely experienced. You can't get really more experienced at at his age than than Daniel Green coming back for a sixth year. You know, just the question is, if he weren't to play, who would take his spot? Would it be a Jay Clifton or somebody else like a uh, Asa Newsom or Toby Osinsami? Would they be the ones to jump into that spot? I'm not sure, but it, that would at least you get an opportunity for one of those guys to maybe get a ton of experience that they weren't planning on getting, and it's against SEMO. Now, meanwhile, for Uso Samalu, it feels like, feels like there's already some strong depth behind him with Javon Banks to transfer from Mississippi State and Manhattan High Zone, Damian Ela Leo. But you want Uso to have that experience, even though it is against a team like SEMO, who's a top-20 team at the FCS level preseason – but you want is for being a starter and slated to be a starter, even though there's going to be a rotation, you want to have that early experience before you roll into conference play after three games in. All right, let's keep it rolling here with Chris Kleiman. Let's get to, because he said it right at the opening statement of the press conference, there are some places they are for sure about the depth, some places they're not for sure. Let's go to the areas they're not so sure about with the depth. That fourth, fifth, sixth wide receiver behind Keegan, Phil, and RJ, I think it's a it's a good battle there because we're going to play those fourth, fifth, and sixth guys, and I think that's an ongoing process. Our safety position still uh, lacks some depth that we've got to continue to shore up and work on. Everybody knows who Kobe Savage is, and Kobe McAllister's had a good camp. How can we move him around to see what he can do? Jordan Wright's had a good camp. How can we move him around? And Everybody knows Austin Moore's a, one of the best linebackers in, in the conference, if not the country. Who's going to take some of the lion's share reps behind him? So everything I just heard there is not a surprise whatsoever. Uh, Steve Standard, linebackers coach last week, did talk about that very same thing with the linebackers. We'll just have to wait and see on that. Uh, Maybe we'll get some questions answered in the first game or first couple of games. Uh, Meanwhile, at safety, again, not a surprise, but we know who's going to be starting. Kobe Savage, VJ Payne, Marquis Siegel. And with the wide receivers, it's an ongoing process, but it's also, I mean, it's a process we might not get answered all season long. It could be very well the situation we had last year, three strong wide receivers with, you know, thank God Cade Warner really stepped up, especially when Will Howard became the quarterback because he was gigantic. He was gigantic when Will was the quarterback. I mean, that connection was stellar. Well, now Cade is trying to make it with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but it feels like with still, you know, a few questions, of course, you know, how good will RJ Garcia be? But Phillip Brooks, Keegan Johnson, even though we haven't seen Keegan Johnson play in a Wildcat uniform, we've seen a whole bunch of years with Phillip Brooks and RJ Garcia is looking to prove himself. I, I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable, especially with the talk about RJ Garcia. We're actually going to hear from RJ Garcia um, coming up in hour number two. But behind them, just not sure. Jaden Jackson, Sterling Lockett, um, Seth Porter, um, Ty Bowman. I mean, those are names that have been thrown out. But also, I mean, a handful of those names were thrown out last year. We hardly ever saw them. 
Hardly ever saw him. Plus, are, are, are we going to see them make that big step? I'm just not sure. I don't expect it to happen. No offense to them. I just don't expect it to happen, but I would love the surprise of having a couple of guys you know, start to make a name for themselves that aren't your starters. But it also brings up the question, will there be much of a rotation at wide receiver? We've seen it happen in the past, but that's also a question left to be answered. We'll find out. Uh, let's see. Now, who Kleiman is impressed with the most? There's a lot of guys. Jacob Parrish is a really, really good football player that we all know about, but has really taken his game to to the next level. Uh, R.J. Garcia, in my mind, a lot of people know about, was a role player last year similar to Jacob, really took his game to another level. Those are two guys that people know about that I think have really elevated their play. That's great news. Again, on R.J. Garcia, the praise just keeps getting bigger and bigger for RJ and the timing couldn't I mean it couldn't be better of course couldn't be better as we're now what 11 days out from the Cats taking the field for the first time at the Bill on September 2nd and hearing about VJ Payne not a surprise he's going to step into a big spot now as a starter as a sophomore a true sophomore after starting four games last year and making an impression now back to depth and where it's maybe the strongest we heard about this some last week but it's the defensive line Cody Stuffelbean is a guy that's going to have to be a, a real factor for us, and I think he knows it, and I think he can give us some some real good reps in there. Damian Alalio and Javon Banks have upped their reps with Uso out, and I've liked what those guys ha- have done in there. You know, we talked about Mott, Duke, uh, and Madlock being really, really good. We've and then and then Chidi Obi Izor is a really good player. We got to look at him and playing him potentially as a freshman because he's that talented. I tell you what, as I still do my research and try to figure out who's going to be that ha- next hashtag my boy tell you what cheaty heavy consideration it's not done yet i'm still heavily considering a lot of people but he's on the radar meanwhile shoring some things up at the corner position here's the rotation right now for game one jacob will lee and, and keenan garber i mean those three in my mind i i would see rotating and then justice james isn't that far behind them and then tyler Nolom is has been nicked up a lot of camp so we still haven't seen the best of tyler probably yet and then finally uh, to wrap up you know the defensive side of the football with with chris Kleiman, i actually asked the question about desmond purnell last week steve standard went through the depth of the linebackers and he said for sure we have our three starters the depth is just the question but he threw out Desmond Purnell had separated himself as a starter at Sam linebacker here's coach Kleiman on Purnell's camp just wow uh, of what he's done because Des has been a really good football player for us and a steady player for us I think he has a chance to be a difference maker for us very very difficult to block understands leverage understands how we want him to play the Sam backer you know it, it was a pretty good competition we assumed coming into camp and he stepped up to the forefront as, as the the for sure starter there that um, he's playing really well and, and he'll have a huge impact he's not going to be a role player he's going to be an impact player he started at make an impact last year I, I I don't know if anybody remembers this he started the Oklahoma State game and he played in every game last year we saw him play a bunch of um, special teams he scored a touchdown in the first game of the season uh, after a block punt by Seth Porter but now it's time to take it to another level 21 tackles last year and by the way he's young we're talking about a Hayden Wildcat used to play in the Centennial League and he's just a sophomore 
a sophomore that's going to jump into a starting linebacker spot. And Coach Kleiman, he's already put the stamp of approval on Desmond Purnell. We've only seen him start one game as a Wildcat as a redshirt freshman. That's a big deal because who got that stamp of approval last year? Ben Sinnott. How big of a deal do we consider Ben Sinnott heading into 2023? Now Desmond Purnell is getting that Chris Kleiman rub. All right, let's take a break. Still to come in hour number two, we're going to have our Oklahoma Sooners preview with Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman, plus more of Chris Kleiman coming up at 510. But coming up next, you're going to hear a few of these the rest of this week, and that is the extended interviews with the media. We're going to hear from... One of the best talkers, I think, on the team. Kobe Savage is up next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Might be the first person ever that just air drummed to Everlong. However, I will say everybody should see the Foo Fighters live at least once. That is one that I still need to accomplish. AJ, thumbs up or thumbs down? Do you like the Foo Fighters? Thumbs up. All right. Sweet. It's the game. Came in. Mitch Fortner, Trey Coverdale. Hour number two features Oklahoma preview with Ryan Aber, plus uh, going to get more from Chris Kleiman in his final uh, fall camp press conference. We're now going to be, by the way, every Tuesday, every Tuesday till the end of the season with Chris Kleiman about the cats, of course. Uh, we'll get to uh, Kobe Savage here in just a moment. Wanted to pass along that uh, just got this email. It's a uh, K State holding the ribbon cutting ceremony. At Morgan Family Arena, that'll be prior to their home opener on Friday, September 1st against Omaha. And the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony will be taking place at 3 o'clock outside of the northwest doors of the arena. By the way, K-State Volleyball starts their season this weekend. They'll be heading to Portland, Oregon for the Viking, or uh, actually, oh, the Hotel Vance Rose City Showdown. A lot happening there. Uh, they'll play Portland State on Friday, 9 o'clock, ESPN+. Plus. Then they'll play Saturday at 3 against San Diego State, and then 12.30 on Sunday against Fullerton. Again, that home opener, which, by the way, 6.30 is the first serve on Friday against Omaha. That's September 1st, and then September 3rd. Man, it's going to be a good environment. Number 5, Nebraska. will come into town for a 4 o'clock first serve. And uh, I won't be there for the Omaha match, but I'll definitely be there for the Nebraska matchup. And then, by the way, K-State soccer will have their home opener this season at Boozer. 
and that'll be on Thursday, 8 o'clock, against a 2-0 UTSA. All right, let's head over to Kobe Savage, team captain, senior out of Paris, Texas. He is on the award watch list for the Chuck Bednarik Award, the Bronco Nagurski Award, the Jim Thorpe Award. Uh, let's just go on and throw him on the uh, watch list for the Heisman Trophy. By the way, last year, second team, all Big 12, looking to have a bigger season than he did back in 2022, where it looked like he was going to lead K-State in just about every category. He gets hurt in game number 10. But here is Kobe Savage from earlier today speaking with the K-State media. What impressed you most about fall camp? Uh, really just the immense amount of knowledge that we came from since being from last fall camp compared to this one. I feel like the whole defense uh, and offense as well, just moving like a well-oiled machine. What is it about you that kind of makes you take to where you can recover from the injury that you did so fast and not lose a step? Uh, really just my faith. Uh, I give all the glory to God through anything I do, whether that's coming back from an injury, um, having a great game. So I really just say my faith is what got me through it. Is there a percentage of you would put your knee out right now? 100, without a doubt. For a lot about Jacob Parrish throughout training camp. What has impressed you most about him? I'm really just like the level of leadership he's gained a lot through this fall camp and confidence. Uh, I feel like he had a lot coming in as a freshman and being able to dominate in a Big 12 game. Uh, but yeah, really just the immense amount of knowledge that he's gained and uh, just the confidence. It's safe that you're working with two new teammates back there. What, what's that been like, and do you feel like you've adjusted to your new surroundings? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really cool being with guys like Marquise and VJ. I feel like we all got a lot of similarities. Uh, it's, I mean, you obviously miss guys like Josh, Drake, Sincere, but it's really cool having um, VJ and just some younger guys back there with me. When it comes to Willie, what was the biggest difference between him in the spring and right now that's kind of allowed him to ascend? Willie is like... He, he transcended a lot from the spring. Um, I mean, me and him are tied right now. For, well, we are tied right now for the most picks in fall camp, but he's a really good corner, very rangy, uh, really good in man. Uh, Coach Malone also says that he, like, gives flashes of Jew a little bit, long corner, very fast, so I'm really excited about Will. What differences do you see in the transition in the secondary from last year to this year? I feel like we're a lot faster uh, at every position, uh, all the corners, all the safeties. Uh, all the guys running above 21 miles per hour, uh, very smart and efficient. I feel like we can do a good job of like carousing the defense, whether we're seeing different pitchers and different formations. So I feel like just a lot smarter and faster this year. Where does this team still need to make strides in order to match or exceed what you did last year? I'm really just making sure the younger guys, like depth-wise, just understand the scheme. I feel like they got like a 101 understanding, but we're trying to get them to that 202. Like uh, whether if I'm, I'm out of the game, that Kobe McAllister comes in and makes a lot of plays, so there's no drop off. So I feel like that's what it is. How many guys on defense do you think are hitting that 21 mile per hour barrier right now? Man, that's a lot. Even even third string and second string, we can go down the list. Um, and so there's there's plenty of them. I say I think it's four of them that are hitting 22 right now. So I'd say at least at least 10 or 11 guys hitting 21 on defense. What's the fastest you've hit in camp? The fastest I've hit in camp was like a low 21 since surgery, but before surgery it was like a 21-3. Just how ready are you to play someone else, be here, and get out there in week one? Man, I'm really excited, but it's also good like playing against the best quarterback and best offense in the Big 12, but I'm really excited to play other guys in our recovery position. When you say the best offense in the Big 12, is there anybody who's uh, been particularly hard to defend? I'd say Ben's route running has gotten a lot better. Like He's moving like a fluid wide receiver now. Uh, Keegan Johnson, uh, R.J. Garcia for sure, uh, and definitely Phillip Brooks, without a doubt. 
Have you seen Ben run a variation of routes? Yeah, definitely, because last year I remember him just running corner routes or sitting down on smash routes. But right now I've been seeing shake routes, uh, Y-zip. They even split him out to the number one receiver and running a lot of slants and glances. But, yeah, they've, they've been moving Ben around a lot, running different routes. If I told you this time last season you'd be a captain right now, what would your reaction be? Uh, I mean, I've always felt like I was a leader, but it's just it's, it's really crazy being a captain here. Um uh, but it's, like I said earlier, it's an amazing honor that my teammates believe in me that much to be a leader on this team. Seth was another guy who was voted captain. I feel like fans, a lot of casual fans don't know a ton about him, but what, what do you think will make him good in that role? Man, he's just, he's like a guy that does all the little things right. Like, he just really hones in on the details. Uh, great special teams player, great offensive player as well. Uh, him and his brother, Shane, uh, I feel like they do a lot of things very good. They're very fast as well. So just smarter, older guys that show a lot of leadership and push, push the younger guys along. Looked at all at Southeast Missouri yet? Yeah, I've looked at them a lot. Um, they were there are a lot of eleven personnel, a little bit of twelve. They use their tight end. They'll motion him a lot. Uh, they'll be in probably gun far, gun near. They don't. I mean, they do a little bit of pistol on third down whenever it's short game trying to run crunch. But yeah, I've, I've so far I've just seen a lot of level, a, a lot of eleven and twelve personnel. Coach mentioned today that the uh, the offense and defense, just depending on the day, will win a team competition or whatever when you're scrimmaging or whatever. If you're keeping score, who's been winning? Who won camp? Was it the offense or the defense? Uh, okay, I'd say for sure the defense won, but it was definitely competitive. Like, um, I mean, it, there was days when the offense were on us so bad that I didn't even want to talk to Will after practice. But, nah, I definitely feel like the defense won, but uh, it was very competitive. It came down to the last day if we, if we had to pick points. You know what, uh, as we're back live, Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale after hearing from Kobe Savage, I asked that last question about, because Coach Kleiman mentioned that, you know, it had been so competitive just back and forth through all of camp. You know, it just wasn't one team dominating for a, a, a day or two. It was really just truly back and forth. That lead would change every day. And as Kobe said, you came down to the final practice. Heard Aiden Gillum uh, kind of disagreed with Kobe and said that the offense was uh, – the better unit, and that uh, sometimes Kobe doesn't understand what he's saying. Is that about right? That would be a pretty good summation of it, yeah. Well, they were the two going back and forth at that practice that one day, right? They were, yeah. Uh, in fact, well, what was the opening day, that, or at least that we got to, uh, as media members, get in and, and watch, uh, they were already barking at each other a little bit. It was pretty fun. Well, obviously with five defensive backs, when you only have one starter back, it's a lot to replace. It's also a lot to replace when uh, three of them are now in the NFL. That's a lot of talent. That's not coming back. But Kobe Savage is, and with the Kobe Savage coming back, there's a guarantee that you have plenty of leadership back along with Daniel Green, but somebody who is going to fly to the football game, game in, game out, play in, and play out is being one of the fastest players on the team. And by the way, how about that comment about the speed of the defensive backs? You have four guys at least that are touching 22 miles per hour. That is fast. I think I remember when we were talking about Dylan Edwards. Remember when Dylan Edwards committed uh, a year ago and uh, over a year ago? And when he committed, we could just not stop talking about his speed and how he's the fastest high school player in the country. And he was a little over 22 miles per hour. Um, now, I'm not saying it. This is obviously just words from Kobe Savage. I don't know exactly when it comes to a 40 time how fast. 22 miles per hour is or where they're exactly how far they've been running when that gets measured but that's fast and when you have an entire unit that can touch that kind of speed Kobe's trying to get back up there I mean look out coach alluded to it a little in his 
points about being able to open things up a little more with the fact that you now have the indoor facility being what it is and the outdoor field as well in terms of what it gave them for space and it allowed for the ability to run more. And he said that guys' times tested out better. Yes, he did. Because of it. All right, when we come back, it's that time of the week once again as we name another Jabroni of the Week after these words. Know your role and shut your mouth, you Jabroni. You Jabronis hit the jackpot. That Hollywood brand Jabroni, Hulk Hogan. Ow, is this Jabroni's name? Jabroni of the Week. Well, here we go. What are you guys watching, by the way? I see you both looking at the TV. Little League World Series. We're debating a replay. Okay. Are both coaches there? Uh, No. No, in this case, it's Japan. It was a double play ball, so they're debating whether or not he was actually safe at first. Well, I was referencing, um, you know, Cuba's coach. Oh, yes. All of a sudden. Oh, yes. Valid. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't thinking that way, but yeah, it's a good point. Well, if you're new to the show, here's how Jabroni of the Week works. I will have three dishonorable mentions, people I considered to be my Jabroni of the Week, but there can only be one, and we'll save that for last, of course. My first dishonorable mention, I'm going to go with uh, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver. So when you have somebody, especially when you're somebody major like the NBA, and somebody leaves in your social media staff, you should probably change the logins, the login info, the password. Because uh, this was posted on the NBA's official Facebook page. How do I log out of this question mark? Haven't worked there in weeks. Anyway, the NBA overexceeds its social media employees greatly to the detriment of their health and social lives for the salary of less than 50k annually after taxes. I worked 14-hour shifts without breaks at times. Shout out Adam Silver. We don't get health insurance until 90 days on the job. That's silly, isn't it? Glad I resigned. No need for a job to get in the way of your happiness. Donate to mental health causes. And then finished the post with a peace sign emoji. Well, I, I think with with health health insurance... It kicking in after 90 days, I think that's pretty standard. Yeah, I think that that's a matter of uh, education right there, yes. I don't. I mean, I don't know why it takes 90 days. It just does. I mean, it's just something we've all kind of, I guess... Corporate bureaucracy. Is it what it is? We've all just accepted it, I guess. But, you know, for... <laughs> I really just the jabroni part of this is this person still having to log in and be able to do whatever they wanted to do after not working for weeks for the NBA. Exactly. I mean that that was a huge mistake, but also I mean, I mean does kind of shine some light on yeah maybe they should be paying a little bit more money if they're going to be working all these hours. I mean seven days a week, especially when the NBA is making like ten billion dollars gross revenue annually. I mean they make a ton of money, um, so they could definitely afford it. Uh, meanwhile. My next dishonorable mention, let's go to baseball here, Troy. Maybe you heard about this. I'd love to get your opinion on it. Baltimore Orioles shortstop Gunnar Henderson. So I've never seen somebody hit for the cycle in person, I believe. I, I mean, if it was something that did happen, I would probably remember it, right? Sure. Um, I'm trying to think of like in a K-State game if an opponent did. I've never seen my team or teams actually ever do it. 
But uh, old Gunner, he had the chance to do it on Sunday against the A's. So let's set the scene here. It's the top of the eighth inning. Baltimore's up 10-1. to So it's already a blowout. Henderson just needs a single for the cycle. He did all the hard work. Now just needs the, the first bag. Right. He had the really tough part, which is the triple. Line drive into the outfield. Easy. Gets to first base, and then he doesn't stop. He oh. then runs to second base. <laughs> and, you know, typically after a double, you know, the dugout going nuts, giving you congratulations. Everybody got their signals, throwing their hands up in the air, doing whatever these days, and the dugout will do it back. Well, the dugout just kind of like it was a shrug shoulder, hands up like, whoa, Gunner. What are, what are we doing here? You just needed to stop at first. It's 10 to 1. Eighth inning. This game's over. Stop at first. You got yourself a cycle. I don't even think he noticed. Everything was routine with Gunnar Henderson. I'm stopping. It's okay to be selfish in this situation. Take the single and take the cycle. Make a little history. Right. Would have been a little helpful for just at least getting your name in the book. But also, I mean, I think he's like 22. Yes, he is. He's super young. Yeah. Long career ahead of him. He'll do oh, it. He'll do between it him and Adley Rutschman, oh my goodness, what a young team they've got and good team. Let's make sure uh, next time uh, here, Gunner, next time you're hitting for the cycle, let's save the, uh, the double, triple home run, any of them for last. My last dishonorable mention, and I don't know if this will be a little bit of controversy here, but I'm going Chiefsaholic for my last dishonorable mention because last week – Indicted by a federal grand jury. He already been in jail for weeks after he got finally got caught after like three months on the run after robbing a Tulsa bank. He got caught, but then bails out, cuts the uh, old ankle bracelet off, and he's on the run for three weeks. Meanwhile, robbing more banks and then trying to, well, launder that money through casinos. Finally gets caught. Man, what a run. A historic run. Really, what? We haven't seen a run like that since, since Jesse James. And... Uh, Man, I mean, just a laundry list, a long list of 19 charges, three counts of armed bank robbery, one count of bank theft, 11 counts of money laundering, four counts of transporting stolen property across state lines. As federal prosecutors allege, Babadar, Xavier Babadar laundered the proceeds through casinos in the Midwest in multiple states. He's not just, he's not joining the week yet, but I think it's fair to make him dishonorable mention for now, officially, I mean, his life is completely ruined. He is facing upwards to, I mean, just one charge of armed bank robbery can get you 30 years. And then what also hangs over his head is 18 more charges. But there's also that possibility like, man, this could be a long process. Do we plea deal? You know, he's, he, he's guilty as hell. So we, do we just get out of this, get it done? Or are they going to go the distance with this one? Meanwhile, here we go, Troy. My Jabroni of the Week, two things actually came up about this person this week. My Jabroni of the Week is Elon Musk. Because, so, you remember, what was it, a week or two weeks ago that the fight negotiations between Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk? Zuck called it off because Elon was just not taking it seriously. I mean, just running into dead ends all over the place. Mm -hmm. It was excuse after an excuse 
for Elon. And then it was like, well, let's not, maybe we shouldn't do this so publicly. Let's do it in your backyard. Let's, let's get maybe some practice in or whatever. And it, it just, it, it never was really meant to be on Elon Musk's side. Mark Zuckerberg has been fully into it. But meanwhile, Dana Brooke, who spoke to TMZ, said, you know, another reason why this all broke down is Musk absolutely did not want the Athletic Commission, which, uh, you know, a fight like this, if UFC is going to sanction it, the Athletic Commission has to be involved. And what's also involved is drug testing. So the thought was, this guy might be juicing a little bit, maybe some PEDs. Zuck? Involved. No. Oh, Musk. Musk. Ketamine, yes. He could very well be juicing beyond that. Didn't want to get pinged. And then meanwhile, when it comes to Twitter, when it comes to X, this guy is very like fly off the hinge, just make these kind of crazy decisions without really putting a lot of thought into it because he was thinking about, and it was actually announced, they're going to get rid of blocking people on Twitter. Well, if you're Apple, that is absolutely no go. Because, as it was pointed out by Andrew Levy, who or Andy Levy, rather, who hosts the Daily Beast podcast, he pointed out very well that in terms of use with Apple's App Store, apps with user-generated content, which is Twitter, must include a method of filtering objectable material from being posted on an app, a mechanism to report off offensive content and timely response to concerns, and by the way, the ability to block abusive users from the service. Elon Musk is my jabroni of the week. And you were telling me that, so I'm not verified, I'm not going to pay for it. Yes. And um, But now, like, with this subscription, you also have to have it to use TweetDeck? Yes. And how much is this? Because you're paying for it now. How does it feel to be verified, by the way? Uh, it drives me batty that I have to pay that man money. And how much? Eight bucks a month. But it's football season and work calls. Tell you what, the big pain about it is trying to DM people. Hour to the game, including an Oklahoma preview with Ryan Aber. Also your local news, next. Started the main frisbee golf club at Cornell. The game. This is madness. News Radio KMAN.